0: All right. Welcome to another episode of training age, Valerie and Heather here. And today we have our first guest, Karen Jackson. But before we get into talking with her about her journey and what's got her to this point, I want to get into our fun little segment of tell me something good. And so Heather, what is something good that's happened to you?
1: Um, Well, I just spent this last week with 14 young women from my congregation, and we went kayaking and whitewater rafting and ziplining, and it was so fun to unplug for a week, and honestly, it was actually gave me a good dose of perspective of why I do all the things that I do and trying to keep my health in check and trying to pursue good fitness because I was just so grateful the whole week to have a healthy body that I could do all of these things and enjoy time with these beautiful women and um just see them like learn and grow and experience life so that was definitely a very good thing that was going on for me this week
0: yeah it sounded amazing and some of those pictures that you shared So many memories. Like I was saying, I bet the girls made so many memories doing that.
1: It was so fun. So fun. And a lot of these girls didn't know each other. So you know that first part of the week where everyone's a little like, "Mm." You know, and then by the end of the week, we were all hugging and crying. And I told my husband that it's like 2 a.m. at The Bachelor, you know, when everybody's like really tired and like weepy. <laughs> and so everything's like bigger and more emotional. You know how they keep the women on The Bachelor up till like two o'clock in the morning. That's when all the drama happens. <laughs> but in the best way, we were all just like, oh, it's, it's the best week. We love you guys so much. So it was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> what so about you, fun. Karen? Was something good for you?
2: You and I had very similar weeks. I went away. Um, so I live in Colorado. So we took a trip to Telluride for the week. And we had all my kids and then the grandkids with us. And we were all staying in the same place. And we had everybody's dogs too. But it was so great just to get away and be together as a family because, you know, when your kids are all grown, it's harder to get everybody together in one spot. So we just enjoyed each other's company. We got outside and like you, Heather, I think one of the best things for me is that I was able to go out and do these like really difficult hikes and keep up with everybody and and think about, you know, wow, this is why I do it. This is why I do it. So that I can experience life like this for as long as I possibly can. So yeah, really similar experience. But then also taking my foot off the gas a little bit too. Didn't train probably noticed in my app.
1: <laughs> and it was
2: okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's getting to that point where you realize that, hey, it doesn't need to look the same every day, you can dial it back, dial it in. And life is going to be just fine. And I think that's actually necessary. I think sometimes we get into this mindset of Oh, my gosh, you know, I have to I have to I have to Uh, uh-uh. you have to live your life. Yeah, it's so true. And enjoy it.
1: Yeah, sometimes we just take a week off and that's okay. You don't have to be anxious about that. And I'm glad you were able to engage with your family and enjoy all the beauties of nature. It's just, you know, it just makes you feel so grateful. What about you, Val? Tell us something good. You've been busy too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
0: like, well, yeah, it's summertime,
1: vacations. So we
0: did just get back from Las Vegas, but I'm going to, my something good is going to be my braces, so I only have a few more months left. I'm getting down Yay. to the finishing and I'm so excited. I got them on last August. And so it's just going to be a little bit over a year before I get them off. And a lot of people are always like, why did you get braces? Why not? I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> you know, and I think that's going to be kind of the theme here with our podcast with, with Karen today too. It's like, just cause you are older in age, that, that doesn't, that's not any reason to do things like we're still living. Like I just keep saying, like, I'm not, I'm not like planning on dying next year or something, you know, like, so why not get the races? So anyway, it's been kind of fun. And um, all three of my boys have braces too. So it's me (laughs) with my boys. We all, we all go to the orthodontist together and I even got pink um, on my braces, pink bands, which kind of looks kind of weird as I'm looking at it, but (laughs) because they're always like, okay, Yeah,
1: and they were like, do you want black or do you want gray? And I said, well, actually, this time I'm going to get pink. Well, that's one of the things I've always loved about you, Valerie, is that you don't care. You dance when you want to dance. You put pink bands on when you want to put pink bands on. (laughs) Um, It's a place in my life that I'm definitely working on.
0: (laughs) I love that. So, so, yeah, thanks, Karen, for joining in on on our segment this morning. It's great to hear about your family time, too.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I have to say when I got a message from Heather and I opened it up because we message back and forth about various little things on Instagram, I was a little
0: surprised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually understand that feeling. You know, I always feel a little nauseated when I have to do something that's pushing outside of my comfort zone. And I, but I appreciate you accepting the offer to come on. And I just think you have so many wonderful things to offer. Um, I met Karen you know, as an Instagram friend back in February when I was attending the N1 Practical with Valerie and Lindsay, and it was such a great group. And I got this little message that I had a new app user and I was like, Oh, great. And then I was telling Valerie earlier that I was looking at her profile at Karen's profile and looking at her pictures. And I thought, this woman is almost 60 years old. She looks phenomenal. So that was my first impression was like, how does she look like she's 30 when she's almost 60? <laughs> the first thing. And that and and I should know because this is what I like teach about and and practice myself, but I just to see it, I was really impressed and then became even more impressed when I started following you on Instagram and your messaging around aging and around health was just so measured and balanced and positive. And I watched you go from a very like, you know, you just started your Instagram, I'm assuming, to creating quite a following very quickly, because I think a lot of people were really inspired by your messaging. And so I thought we have to have Karen on because I think you're such a wonderful example to other people about having um, a good balance when it comes to health and fitness and aging. Karen, can you give us a little background on you? We'd love to learn more about you and and kind of how you got here.
2: Sure. First, I want to say thank you for all those kind words. And um, I'm very flattered. But I have to say I really like to describe myself as kind of I'm just an average woman. I got into this. um, Well, I'm a retired public school educator. I was a principal and a central office person and a teacher and all that. I retired a few years ago. And when I retired, I was really interested in starting to strength train. So I went to my local gym, I hired a trainer, and I worked my butt off for a while. And I really wasn't seeing any changes. I wasn't like in a place where I was like, I had tons of weight to lose or anything. But I just I knew I needed to get stronger, you know, to remain active the way I wanted to. Anyway, this little trainer I had, she was really cute. And she just I I remember her telling me, you know, you've got to eat more, you've got to eat more, which went against everything that I thought that we're told as women, you have to eat more protein, you have to eat more of this. And I was just like, I can't how I'll just gain weight. I just didn't understand it or grasp it at that point. So, so anyway, I kind of continued along that path for a while. And then I started to learn about macros a little bit, started tracking those a little, and still didn't quite understand like, you know, like, what was the balance there for me? How should I do this? I still had in my head, like, I think like most of us do that don't want to eat too much, because you'll just gain weight. So I was just kind of sitting in this kind of I want to say it's like a murky little place where I didn't quite the pieces weren't coming together for me. Of course, then the COVID years came and kind of everything just derailed for me. (laughs) And that was the time when I was like, this is it. I am going to figure this out. So I did end up hiring an online coach, and I did that for about a year. And the biggest thing I learned was I had to be consistent. I had been looking at my health and fitness in terms of these short-term stints of, oh, I'll buckle down, I'll lose X amount of pounds, or I'll do this, and then, then I can go back to regular life. And That's not how this works. (laughs) That was the big learning. It was like, nope, this has to be like forever and ever. It has to be consistent. So I like to tell people that's what I really learned. I learned I had to do it every day. I had to eat the right way every day. I had to consistently train. I had to change my life. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, it seems so simple, but it, and it is in retrospect, but. I had to change my life. I had to change what I did.
1: (laughs) It's like this, like really sad realization, sad and wonderful realization, and that I tell a lot of my clients. Like, it's it's forever, right? Anything that you value, you have to do consistently, and if you don't do it consistently, Mm -hmm. it just goes away. It doesn't stay put. It actually moves backwards.
2: You know, I think a lot of us too, especially women. You know, well, I mean, think about it. From the time I grew up, I mean, my mother was on every diet. And that's what I just thought this was going to look like, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're just gonna have to diet our whole lives or eat as little as possible or, um, you know, buy that next magazine that says I can lose 10 pounds in six weeks. Um, So we were never, it's always amazing to me, we were never taught how to fuel our bodies. No, most of us as women.
1: Yeah, I would, wouldn't you say that the main message that we received growing up was that, Diet was only to make you smaller, to make you thinner. Right. Like that was the only time that you yes. focused on nutrition is to get smaller. To get smaller. Yeah. There was never a message about being stronger or healthier. Right. You know, it was just to get smaller. That was like the primary focus. At least that was what it was growing up for me. I don't know about you, Valerie.
0: I I uh, just observationally would see people like my mom did weight watchers and I would see other people do different things and had zero interest in doing any sort of calorie deficit or diet because I would watch people and how miserable they were. And then I, they would sure make some great results in the short term, but they would go right back to where they were. And so in my mind, I was like, Why in the world do I, would I even want to do that? Put myself through this like horrible situation. Nobody was ever happy about it. They were always complaining and then they would go right back to where they were. And so my, like my first time that I ever did any sort of calorie deficit wasn't until I was 34 years old and I was working with a a one-on-one coach for a contest prep. So that was my first time. And I told him like, I need to know what's going to happen after I'm done with the show, like what's the plan. And so that's where I first like started learning about nutrition. And so like, like you mentioned, Karen, I think that's like a huge thing of, we just are told like diet if we want to get smaller, but what about nutritional content? Like where does that come into play? And are we even learning anything when we do that? Most people aren't. And so I I actually want to ask you um, in one of your posts, you had talked about how like, yo-yo dieting, how you had done that over the years. And once you finally got to that point of like, no more of that, let's say goodbye to the yo-yo dieting and focusing more on this new way of approaching nutrition. What types of things had you done and how many years had you done this kind of roller coaster of, of things?
2: Well, probably starting like, so I had my kids in my twenties, um, you know, so you, you gain the base the baby weight and then, you know, what would be strip it off a little bit and the next one would come along. But in my thirties, it was when I started to find, you know, gosh, I couldn't really take it off as easily. And Val, you hit on a really important point here that I think is missing for so many people. It's what's the plan after the diet, you know, what's the diet after the diet. And that was the thing that I never grasped that I, you know, you think, okay, we restrict. And then I just go back to the way I was. Yeah. That was the missing piece you have to come up with a sustainable plan and bring those calories back up because I would tend to, and I think a lot of women do. Okay, I'm restricting, I'm miserable, I'm down to 1,200 calories or whatever that number is. Okay, I lost the weight. Either I sit here at 1,200 calories and starve myself or I just go back to what I was doing before, so true. overeating. And so that was the whole thing. It was like, okay, well, how can you not have a pendulum swing you know when you can only sit at that low number, and I was trying to, you know, like okay, I'm going to maintain this. Well, you get to the point where you're like, I can't do it anymore. So it's then it's the other direction. Yeah. So it, that experience you talked about, Val, about you know working with that coach, and then <laughs> be having the foresight to say, okay, well, what's the diet after the diet look like? You know, how what does this, what should this look like for the long term? And That was my experience was I just didn't know. I thought, oh, my gosh, well, this is how much I have to eat or do to stay this way. And it wasn't until I started working with a coach and doing some more work on my own, you know, like with people who know that I realized, okay, this is a temporary spot. We have to move these back up so that I can be healthy. And there is a way to do that and stay you know, in that maintenance kind of area. It's not a a static number. It's not a static weight. There's a range. And so many women have not, I don't think people have experienced maintenance. I would say probably women my age, I don't know anybody who's really experienced what maintenance is.
1: Yeah. I think most people know what a diet is. They know what overeating Mm -hmm. is but they have never been able to um, experience true maintenance that they just swing from one end to the next. And that is the yo-yo that we talk about Mm -hmm. because they know how to like push on the gas really hard and they know how to slam on the brake, but they don't know ever how to hit cruise control.
0: And so I'm guessing Karen, that there was a point for you, like you mentioned consistency, but after this years of like the yo-yo dieting, that there was something that clicked, and do you like? Can you remember like a like the time or like a, something that really stood out to you that helped it to like click and be like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta move in this direction and maintain um, these new habits if I want to sustain this lifestyle.
2: Yeah, the the years before the whole COVID years, um, you know, I was pretty active in maintaining, you know. A, I was never at a place where I was, you know, in a metabolically unhealthy place. But, you know, I I wanted to look better. I wanted to feel better. And I knew I could. Um, It was just a matter of, you know, okay, really figuring this out. Hiring a professional really helped me. Um, I probably would have been able to pull it together on my own with some more research. I mean, there's enough good stuff out there now that's free to everybody. But hiring a coach um, really helped me. It helped me get out of the mindset of there must be some secret, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm missing or some, you know, some magical macro split. And that's not it at all. (laughs) So it it really helped me cement that I needed to be consistent with this, that, you know, like we talked about before that it wasn't going to be okay, we're doing this for 12 weeks or 16 weeks or whatever. And then I'm done. This is, we're doing this, we're changing things permanently.
1: Um, I love that. How long do you think that that took you to see some of the changes that you were really after?
2: A year. (laughs) (laughs) It was a year. Um, I I would say that was another thing. And I think I struggled with this when I was um, starting out that, um, and again, I think it goes back to a lot of the messaging we get as women is, you know, like, you know, this, Weight Watchers, or twelve weeks, or six weeks, um, you know. And I thought, wow, things should be happening faster. I only want to lose ten pounds, and I remember very clearly my coach saying, you know, well, it's it's not going to happen overnight, and you're going to have to change your behaviors and just about every way for this to
1: happen. So, was that hard to hear?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, someone asked me. I think I did a post on this. Someone asked me what was the hardest part of your whole um, you know, fitness journey. And I said, well, it was actually having to look myself in the mirror and say that you did, you did this, you, it was you. <laughs> so taking responsibility for my behaviors that had led me to this point, um, and really owning up to that. But I think one of the hardest things was the patience, the time that it took. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, wow, this And I think the comparison piece too, I was in a coaching group where there were other women. That was all something I had to work through was to sit back and be patient with the process, find a way to really enjoy the process, and then also not compare myself to other people who were working on the similar kinds of things. It was, I had to just keep my eyes on my lane. I would say the first three or four months were probably really tough, frustrating you know, like why is this so slow? I'm not seeing any changes. Then there came a point where at about the fifth month and I was like, All right, we're seeing changes. I, I I'm feeling good about this. It gave me a little bit more momentum to continue forward. And about the nine month mark I realized I've adapted. It started to feel easy to me. It started to feel like it was just a part of my life rather than, oh, my gosh, I've got to check the boxes every day and drag myself there. It just started to feel like, yeah, this is my life now. And it feels natural and it feels normal and it feels good. So that was kind of the turning point for me, I would say, right on that nine-month mark where I thought, I fully adapted here. I'm in, I'm in it and it feels good.
1: I've told this to Valerie before and it's not a popular uh phrase that I sometimes tell my clients is if it takes you 10 years to walk into the woods it might take you about 10 years to walk out. <laughs> and oh. they hate it. And it's not always that long, but it takes a while. It takes a while. And so I think of how many people say it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And they they stop. And, um, they, they forget that big picture. So what made it, what made you hang on till the nine month mark? First, uh, you know, I
2: think when you invest, um, I mean, I invested in an online coach. I mean, there's a monetary thing there that I thought, okay, I have spent this money. And so, you know, I really want to, I want to see this through. I did go into it though, thinking, you know, I'm going to give myself a year. I'm going to give myself a year. I just kept saying that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give myself a year and see where this takes me. So when I would feel those frustrations or, you know, I was like, this isn't happening fast enough. I just had to keep telling myself, okay, I, I get, it's a year. You're committed for a year. I'm um, committed to myself to doing the best I possibly could for that year. Um, the other thing too was we, you know, in all of this, we we talk about mindset and I'll be the first to admit I have never been an athlete in my life. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I was really physically active and outside a lot, but I never played any sports or anything. I was more like the debate team and all that stuff. But I went into this and I thought, okay, if if I'm really going to make this happen, I have to think of myself in a certain way. And I I remember my first little Zoom meeting with my coaching group, but, one of the women was talking about mindset and, you know, well, how do you change your behaviors? And I just said, you know, I just, as soon as I started, I just said, you're an athlete, you're an athlete now. And I framed everything up that way. When I got frustrated, when I was feeling like I don't want to do this, I would remind myself, okay, well, how would a professional handle this? If I were, a, you know, a basketball player or a runner or, you know, an Olympian you just do it, you have a standard that you have to meet. And so that's what I use to get myself through things and to kind of push like, okay, I don't feel like it today. Well, they probably don't feel like it either, but this is what they would do this if an athlete would do this.
1: Well, I love that. Time, patience, and altering your identity, your relationship to your identity. James Clear talks about that a lot. I'm sure you're familiar with Atomic Habits and Mm -hmm. acting our way into an existence. Like what would an athlete do? Okay. So you gave yourself a year. Clearly lots of beautiful, wonderful changes happen both inside and out. Um, And then recently you did something really cool. You had a photo shoot I, well, I wanted to do something to kind of celebrate. Um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't
2: say that I've like met my goal. I't I, I this is just an ongoing thing, but there was a milestone there that I had met. And so I found a photographer whose work I really loved, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna, you know celebrate this way and get a professional photo shoot done. I'd never done anything like that in my life. It was way out of my comfort zone, but totally worth it. It was, it was an experience. It was really fun.
0: I, I enjoyed it. I love a lot. that so much. And okay, so this brings me to another question that I had for you. I noticed you had this concept of power aging. Can you talk a little bit more about power aging and what that means?
2: Yeah. When physical changes were really starting to become apparent, I would have people remark and say, oh, you're aging in reverse. And I really started to think about that. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure that aging in reverse is what's happening here. Or, Or do I even really like that term too much? You know, I'm human and actually I embrace my aging. To me, it was I'm kind of optimizing my age. I'm trying to remain vital and strong and active and healthy that to me is what aging should look like. And so it wasn't, I, I so I started saying, well, again, yeah, I'm not aging in reverse. I mean, I'm aging. My hair is gray. I'm getting wrinkles, but I'm power aging. I'm going to squeeze every drop out of life that I can possibly squeeze out. And so that's where the whole power aging thing came from for me.
0: Yeah, that just gave me chills because <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, like I always, I always think of like golden girls and, I, I don't even know what the ages of those women were when they did that show. They but weren't you, that
2: old. They, they weren't that, they old. were my yes. younger than me, yes. I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. And <laughs> I just think that there was just this point when I was growing up where I would see like women hit their forties or their, you know, mid forties. It's like, you had, you had to like cut your sh- hair really short into a bob. Like, it was just like this thing, this like inevitable, like you get old, you look old, you kind of, and Heather's used this reference before, like you're kind of just like sent out to the pasture. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're going to, you're on the other side of the hill. Like there's not much more for you to do with this life (laughs) type of thing. But yeah, I, I just love that so much. It's so empowering. And I think this is a really good message for other women out there that it's never too late to start.
2: And you're never too old. Never never too too old.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But you know, I mean, I'm at the age now, so I'll be 60 in January. And, um, you know, when you do start hitting your mid to late 50s, you know, your early 60s, I am seeing a lot of my friends start to develop problems, you know, where they didn't have them before, like high blood pressure or, you know, cholesterol issues or um, arthritis or, you know, joint issues. And to me, it's like, what you were talking about, Val, you know, there was this, uh, typical, you know, older woman character that has been around for a very long time, put out to pasture or whatever, who's kind of just on the downhill slide. And I want women to know, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. You have so much power over how you will, you will age if you choose to take that power and do something about it.
0: I was listening to Ed Milet yesterday. He had a guest William Lee was his name. He's a nutrition guy, but he was talking about, you know, the foods that we eat can play a role in like changing our cellular physiology. And if we eat a consistent diet of fast food and sodas and stuff, that's going to reflect in our aging. Like it's going to make us age a little bit faster because those are highly inflammatory. Now that's not to say that we can't have those, but it's just practicing moderation and understanding these better nutritional things that we can do to fuel ourselves for, for life. And so I think that, you know, when you're looking at nutrition, uh, making sure you're getting enough sleep, just all of the basics that you hear all the time, you know, like it really does make a big difference in doing it in moderation and not trying to go overboard with any one certain thing.
1: No, I, mm-hmm. I love that. And I love just this, this uh, idea of, <laughs> not going, not going quietly to like, we don't, we don't need to be put out to pasture, right? Because we're old. And I, one of the messages that I love (laughs) that you put out there is that we can, well, I'm actually going to, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to share a little quote from one of your posts that I really loved. And it was your quote, your post about breaking character and, um, and, and you're kind of talking about this, like, you know, we don't have to you know, be the stereotype of what an aging woman is if we don't want to be. If that's what you want, if you want to cut your hair short with a little bob and like and, and that's fine. That is, that is fine. Right. We are all, you know, we're supportive of whatever people want to do. But you said, I say break character. We can age, accept that our bodies are different and still care for those sacred vessels. We can love and accept ourselves as we age and still be vital, sexy, strong, glamorous, healthy, fit, whatever we want. We can have it both ways. And I love this um, duality in that, that We can both accept the fact that we're aging. That is a fact. We are aging, you know, but we can still be beautiful and vital. And I think that is actually what makes people even more beautiful is that they're not just, you know, thinking life is over, that they still try to soak up all that's good in life. And that includes taking care of our bodies and trying to eat good nutritious food and exercise and not do it from a place of self-loathing. It's from a place of like, taking in and adding to versus taking away and, and hating ourselves. So I just love that message. And I think that that's why it is so resonated with people. Um, I would, I would love to talk about your vanity project because this kind of leads into that. And this is one, I think you caught the attention of a lot of people, uh, a lot of older women and a lot of people that were, I think women in general try very much to be very modest and demure about everything and not, you know, tr- you know, show off because they don't want other women to think, you know, poorly of them or other people. And so, yeah, tell us about the Vanity Pro- Project. What prompted that? I, I think that that would be great to hear about.
2: So um, I had been sharing with a few of my friends or, you know, acquaintances that I was going to do this photo shoot and I got... <laughs> I thought was a really surprising comment from someone. Um, and, and she's a friend, it's still a friend, but she said, wow, that seems like quite a vanity project, you know, to just be focused on yourself and have this photo shoot. And so I had to think about that for a while. And I think I just kind of, you know, sat on that for about a week and I was like, cause it it had a little negative connotation there. A little jab. (laughs) And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slight. And, um, So, and I thought, you know what, it it is, it is a Vandy project. I am totally celebrating just me. I, you know, I'm going to put myself out there and it's just all about me. And I started to think about how many times in my life have I just thought about me and, you know, just done something like this where I could just celebrate myself. And honestly, I couldn't think of one time, (laughs) which why is that? I mean, and I think that's probably true for quite a few women. Yeah, it is.
1: Why do you think as women, we don't do that?
2: For the, for the reasons you kind of talked about in your lead up into this discussion, it's, um, I think there are societal expectations or guardrails that are put around women, you know, not to take up space, um, you know, to, to demure. We don't even know how to take a compliment you know, 95% of the time. So true. I mean, how many times have you given a compliment to another woman who said, Oh, you know, like, you might even just say something as simple, like, yo, your hair looks great today. Oh, well, you know, it's always a deflection. We're just you're taught that that's what we should be doing. Well, I kind of say screw that. You know, I mean, we, we should be taking up space, we are just as important as anybody else. And, So that's where the whole vanity project came with. I was like, you know, I want women to think about all the times you do, and we do, we carry the emotional weight of everything on our backs. Women, I say without women, we wouldn't have much because we do it all. So I want women to think about celebrating themselves and realize that it is more than okay to step out from behind the camera or behind the curtain And onto the stage. I also really truly believe each one of us is, we're a miracle. Every one of us is a miracle. We are a unique individual. It's a piece of art. Take care of it. Celebrate it. Um, I really hope women will start to see more of that, that they're worthy. Instagram has been a funny place for me because you do start to realize there's just a lot of insecurity with so many people. And I don't know where that comes from on an individual level, but I think we are fed a lot of those lines as we age as women or, you know, grow up as girls. And I hope that narrative, I'm seeing it change. I hope it changes even more. Women, I want to see them kind of step into their power, celebrate themselves.
1: So when you put the word out about the Vanity Project, what was the response that you got from women?
2: Really interesting there were it was i would say it's like 50/50 50, 50 women who were like i'm all in i'll send you my picture i'll post it and then there was there were women who were struggling with feeling worthy of that who were you know sending me a little message like oh i love this but i don't you know think i look good enough or i don't have a picture that's a professional um which kind of broke my heart mm-hmm. a little bit I think I think there's a lot of work still to do there. And every once in a while, I will still get a message from someone who feels like, you know, well, or they'll say something like, well, when I, you know, lose 10 pounds or, you know, when I can do my hair or my makeup. And I, I just, I want women to know that you're beautiful no matter how you show up. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I'm sometimes more beautiful when you show up in a more natural state. Like Heather, you posted a picture of you out in the, maybe a hike or something. And it was powerful. It looked reflective. I mean, we're all beautiful. Yeah, I, I hope I want women to see that in
1: themselves. I remember when you created that post. And um, I think you messaged me and you said, or you made a. I think I commented on your post and I said, I, I hope you'll share. And I thought, Oh I don't know about that. I don't know if I can share that. That feels scary and, you know and and that's something I've really struggled with I think growing up i've you know you kind of get taught be attractive, you know but, but let, you know, you wait for somebody to tell you that you're attractive, right? Be, be Mm -hmm. small, you know, be, be beautiful, but don't ever say that you are, don't ever acknowledge your own beauty. And you wait for the compliments to come to you. And then when they come, you, you push them away as if, you know, you, you know, you don't see it yourself. There's even like all these songs about, you know, you don't know you're beautiful. Right. And I just thought, and I sat there and I remember after I saw that comment, I thought about that. I was like sitting in my bed, like waiting to go to bed. And I thought, you know what? I, I am beautiful. Like I should celebrate myself and everybody is. And I was beautiful when I was, you know, <laughs> at my heaviest about to deliver my sixth child. You know, I was beautiful when I was like a struggling teen trying to figure things out. I just spent the week, I'm going to cry with like 14 beautiful girls trying to figure out who they are. I had sat there talking to one girl and just assuring her, you are good as you stand right now. Like not because of what you want to do, if you can achieve that, like you're good, you have value right now. And I spoke to a client the other day that was like, I will wear shorts next summer when I lose 20 pounds. And I was like, I promise you won't like your legs then. (laughs) Just like accept your body and love your body here and now and love it and love it to a healthier place. But if you hate it there, if you hate yourself now, if you can't celebrate yourself now, you're never going to find joy on on either end. And so I, I think that is what I loved about that was just this bravery to celebrate yourself you know? And and then I saw more women post like some beautiful glamour shots and others just like a snap of them in their backyard. And it was all equally beautiful to me because I think what was beautiful was the bravery in it, right? The like the celebration, the joy in it. And I thought it really turns what beauty is on its head.
2: Thanks. Yeah. They were, you know, you were talking about these girls you were with this past week. And um, there were a couple of interactions I had with some women my age or, you know, close to my age, very similar, who brought me to tears. um, Because they just were so unsure of whether they were worthy of that or, you know, good enough for this. And there were a few that stepped out and took pictures and posted them. And oh my gosh, I mean, I couldn't that was just the best feeling in the world. And they came back and said, you know, wow, I, I I feel better doing this. You know, I feel like, okay, yeah, I am worth this. I am. I am somebody who I should be celebrating. It took off for a while there. Maybe
1: we'll have to resurrect it. I think but- so. I think so. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a beautiful message. And I think it's it's one that I I really think it's the secret sauce, right? You know, we, Mm -hmm. I, I, the more I have worked with more women and I'm sure Valerie, you can attest to this, you know, you can give them the best diet plan. You can give them the best training, but happiness is not going to come from changing the exterior, you know, and the real lasting change comes from being able to celebrate and love who you are at any stage.
2: Yeah. I, I think the surprising thing for me when I started that thing, you know, and started getting feedback from other women was how many women didn't feel worthy. That's the whole thing there. It's that you're born worthy. You don't earn it. You are just born worthy. Yes, You are worthy of every good thing that can come your way. And that is a little, that's a big mind shift for quite a few women. And, and another thing, you know, confidence doesn't come from other people or how you're perceived. It's innate, you know. I knowing who I am, what my we all have different gifts and talents, and and I, I used to work with lots and lots of <clears throat> women. I was, you know, in charge of large schools and school districts, and I would always tell people, you know, if you get really honest with yourself, you are able to really identify all your gifts and talents, and then areas that could use some work, you know. We all if we sit quietly can get to that point and know what are my gifts and talents and where do I need to do work? And if you can tease that out and utilize those gifts and talents, um, that's your confidence there, knowing how to use those, you can overcome just about anything, any of your weaknesses, if you focus on that. So
1: I love that. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end. I love your wisdom. I love what you're bringing to this space. It is much needed. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram? Um,
2: yeah, I'm at um, midlife revelations. Yes. So. Yeah,
1: you can go, go and all of the wonderful things that you have to share. I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you. I was really flattered and surprised that I was asked to do this, but uh, thank you so much. I have so enjoyed connecting with both of you. Thanks. It's
0: we're stronger together, so it's fun getting more of <laughs> that, more of these voices sure. out there. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Training Age. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, find us at trainingage.com or on Instagram at trainingage. If you're interested in working with either Val or myself, you can find links to our coaching services there as well. Thanks for listening.